Yeah, it's a great question. There's there's kind of two sides to what I wish people would do. Um, I mean, the first thing that I t tell people is, you know, these, and, and I've been in this position. I mean, Humanot and myself as a startup founder in other companies uh, can really relate to this and have made this mistake. Uh, but I think what happens is you, you're trying to, you, you have a great product, you have a great idea, you're, and you're really passionate about it, but you are so kind of focused on Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we're doing our mini-series on startup marketing geniuses. Um, today we've got David Littlejohn, co-founder and chief creative officer at Humanot. David, thanks for making time. Great to be here. This sounds fun. So for for the rare person who hasn't seen one of Jay and I's favorite campaigns of all time, <laughs> Save the Bros, and, and they don't know Humanot, can you give us the elevator pitch? Sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, we like to say Humanot, our, our mission is getting good things inside people's brains. Uh, we are... <laughs> an advertising agency that really specializes in emerging brands, challenger brands, and those sort of fast growing startups that really do have a unique uh, thing that they're you know, doing. They, they have a problem they're trying to solve. They're challenging you know, what's out there. And we just find that you know, those people have a really, a much tougher time marketing themselves than say Snickers that can just say, hey, grab a Snickers, like high awareness, you are you already have heard of it um and so we just love t figuring out like how do you take these new ideas and communicate them bring them down to earth for people and then also just get them really excited so it's it's raising awareness and it's also like establishing your brand all in about six seconds to capture someone's attention and break through and what's like a crazy crowded marketing environment now so yeah I love it. You know, um, and I think the reason that we, we, you know, tried to hunt you guys down and see if we could get you to come on the show is um, there's a lot of people, especially, in, you know, who have backgrounds as copywriters or being in the advertising space who can talk a good game. But you guys legitimately have the results to back it up. Can you brag for just a second about some of the reach of some of these campaigns you've done? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's nice, to, nice to hear. We, um, so I'd say that Humanot, we're, we're actually a relatively young agency. We're about to have our six-year anniversary. And I think that we came up right when there was a totally new opportunity for brands that really hadn't been there, which was you know, video production costs were starting to come down. And you had this new delivery device called the internet, but more specifically social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And so we sort of realized that like the brands that we were working with, they didn't have monster, you know, crazy budgets to pump $20 million of TV advertising, you know, at people and that the work that we needed to do, like had to capture your attention and be shareable. You had to, it, you had to capture someone in five seconds and then make them want to stick around for the whole story. And then also like at, at the end of it, actually want to share it with friends. So we really, in the early days, specifically designed our campaigns for shareability. And we just, you know, in those, especially in those first few years, just had a lot of uh, viral successes 
um, you know, <clears throat> Save the Bros, like hitting, you know, millions of views just in the first week and then going on to, to you know, reach tons and millions more people to the point where like, yeah, like you guys saw it. And it was so cool when your friends and people that you, you know, know and don't know are saying like, oh yeah, I just, I just saw that. It showed us that, that the work was working and also that the press was writing about it. And then we also, you know, we've done things like, um, even though we worked with, with sort of smaller, uh, smaller campaigns like that, even when we worked with slightly bigger brands like SodaStream for a Super Bowl spot, like we designed that whole campaign to, to be press worthy and shareable. And so we're always thinking about like, how does a, a advertisement become a part of culture? How does it become a story that you want to talk about? Um, and, and so we've done that for the organic industry with an, uh, a campaign called the natural effect, which exposed like how much BS the word natural is in marketing, which was incredibly viral. Um, and then we've just gone on to create work that, we use the metric of like, would you watch this and share this with a friend? Would you talk about it? And uh, that's kind of all that matters to us. Like the words don't matter. Um, you know, it, it just comes down to, can we make things that people love and that, that really also change people's minds and change people's behavior, which is what this game is all about. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, can you tell me as you're, as you're looking at starting a project, what is kind of that, uh, that key thing that you're looking for as you're starting to, to, to build out that strategy for someone who doesn't have as much budget, but they're trying to overtake kind of an incumbent brand that's been around forever. How do you kind of approach uh, the strategy there? Yeah, it's, great. it's a great question. I mean, that's, it's really getting to the heart of, of the challenge of the work. Uh, you know, I, I say this a lot to, to brands and companies, um, and it's a little like, surprising and uh startling but it's true and, and the reality is i think brands just need to realize that like no one cares about you <laughs> like, like no one is waiting to hear about your thing like they don't know about you probably you're interrupting them and you probably have some sort of like you're asking them to change what they do and like they're trying to figure out like what did Beyonce do today like the idea that your little startup brand or your little you know app that it has importance in their their life is a little bit uh, egotistical and so we sort of just set the bar like right there and go like let's just set, start with the fact that like we're interrupting a person who has an interesting life with their own things that they want to do and we're about to interrupt them and so that's sort of like it, you know it's our job as, as people building brands to to really think deeply about the brand to think about what it means and and we can get caught up in that and so i think the first thing we do is reset it and just go like hey let's look at our customer let's look at the person that we're trying to reach and and realize that like you're not even in their spectrum right now of, of what they're thinking about. So let's start there. Then let's start thinking about like, well, how could you be relevant to them? Like, how could you say something that would actually add value to their life that could be a part of their, you know, daily conversation with people? And so there's an exercise of, you know, literally sort of mapping the culture and figuring out where a brand fits inside uh, a person's mind. And, and sort of what their preconceived ideas are. And, and you're also looking for like the most, the closest thing that is relevant to them. And I think Save the Bros is a great example. We took an organic company. So for anyone who doesn't know what Save the Bros is, it, it was a campaign for Organic Valley. They make organic eggs, cheese, butter, cream, um, milk, obviously. So, 
And they had made an organic protein shake. And this, the sort of the tension there of like this, these organic, you know, small family farmers out in the middle of Wisconsin and around the country, somehow like, you know, having something that's gonna add value to CrossFit culture, uh, you know, workout culture, gym culture, there was clearly a tension there. Um, and so we just realized that like, well, what's the, when people think about protein, like what's the closest thing in that, that, that a lot of people could think about. And, and so bro culture and, and everyone knows a bro who's working out and chugging a lot of protein that we realized was actually as, even though it was the furthest thing away from organic valleys brand, it was the closest thing into relevance. And so we kind of try to, you know, when we literally sometimes are mapping this out, but it, we go, how do we attach something that's, that's really relevant in your category to what the, the maybe out there thing that you're doing? Cause you know, bros are not thinking about organic, you know? And so, you know, they're, they're created a really fun, surprising tension there. And so we, we kind of do that with all the work we do is, is figure out like, okay, there's the thing you want to say. Okay, great. Let's make sure that that's the idea that we get across. But then there's the thing that people will actually listen to. There's a thing that will actually um, break through. And we're really looking for that cross section. And, you know, again, if you have a lot of money, you don't have to worry so much about this. You're going to force feed someone to watch your commercial. You know, even though the reality is when people are going to turn away and look at their phone anyway, if your commercial sucks, but you can, with, you, you can pump it out. If you have less money and you're doing digital marketing, you have to respect the customer's mindset and you have to find kind of a, a Trojan horse way in where you're like, Hey, we're going to make this message interesting and relevant to you. Um, and so that's kind of where it starts. And we often find that it leads to really, you know, surprising places to go for both us and the client. Um, but you can actually test and see that these campaigns work better because you're actually sort of meeting the customer where they are. And part of that also to us means uh, approaching your advertising with honesty, which is a whole nother topic we get into. But uh, if you'll see our work, we really sort of respect the relationship we have with with the customer, which is like, hey, we're a company. You haven't heard of us. We're interrupting you, but we actually think you you really want to hear this because we've made something interesting for you. And a lot of brands just want to be really like cool. They want to be like up high up in the in the clouds of like you know doing cool stuff. And it just creates sort of at a distance where people can go like, I don't care. Like you're an annoying brand. Get out of here. And we want to close that distance and and sort of like honor the fact that like. You know, we're just people like you making stuff. And I think that's what Dollar Shave did so well. And that's why that campaign obviously blew up was here was a guy that just sort of talked to you as the founder solving this big problem that you, you face. Um, and that's it's just changing the way brands and especially emerging challenger brands need to be thinking about uh, their marketing when they go out with a message so that they don't waste their money and be invisible. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's so powerful. And kind of going along those lines, where do you see, uh, I think right now so many people just want authenticity, like they want a brand to not yeah. not try and, exactly what you're saying, not try and sell them, not try and go really high up in the clouds and talk about how amazing they are. Why do you think that's so powerful right now? How do you think brands can use that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think any creative person listening to this is, is seeing authenticity like on, literally on every brand brief there is right now um and 
you know, there, there's a few reasons uh, why that word is popping and also why there is something, you know, important underneath it. And I, I think, so for one, everyone is is skeptical of BS. And I'm, I'll try, keep using the clean phrase here. But, um, you know, every everyone is skeptical of advertising. Like, we, we kind of know what it is. The game is up, especially younger people. I mean, you know, young people just are, have grown up on advertising and have grown up ignoring it and so you you a have to sort of get out of the like cheesy spokesperson everyone's smiling like you know it's like we finally know that like advertising life is not real life okay so so that's out and so then the the problem is brands go okay well then we got to be authentic we got to connect and they go all right well you know how do we appear to be authentic through our casting and the way we shoot it and like the way we script it um but for savvy people, it's still the same BS just now with a much better director or a much better treatment. And I think that the key is is that to be authentic now, you 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 have to be authentically something, right? You, you have to actually have something to say, you know, in, in the same way that for a comedian to be truly funny, they have to say something that's that's real, that um that, that's insightful and that's true. And you know, imagine imagine a comedian just trying to go out on stage and, and try to sound like real stuff, you know, and some sometimes they do and they bomb. Right. And I think you've got a lot of brands out there trying to do authenticity and just bombing. And, and it, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes to watch. And it's because they don't know who they are. Right. They they don't either. They don't know who they are. And then they've hired an agency to figure out who they are. And the agency doesn't know who they are. And it's possible just that like they, they may not actually have an interesting thing to say. And the brands that are winning, they're either founder led or they're really smart about actually, you know, creating value for their customer, getting, getting over themselves and trying to, um, to, put a stake in the ground, you know, and, and you can see big brands do this like Nike, you know, or, or brands that are willing to sort of uh, piss some people off. Like if you're willing to do that, it shows that you stand for something and, and you kind of have to prove it these days. You can't just say, we are, we're nice people who care and we are thinking about you. And like, those are just words, but the more you get brands to sort of put a stake in the ground to do something suddenly you don't have to, to you know, worry so much about how you're executing authenticity. You are authentically solving a problem or you're authentically uh, correcting an injustice. And that's where we try to get the brands we work with too. Is to, and we actually use the word injustice uh, in our own briefs. We, we go like, there's something wrong in the world. Um, and it doesn't have to be huge. I'm, I'm not saying we got to go like clean up the ocean, but ideally there's something that you stand for and are trying. I love it. Um, can you talk a little bit about your writing process of just, um, you know, what is it like? Can you pull back the curtains for people who are like, they've seen the Dollar Shave Club ads or they've, they've you know, they're familiar with this approach a bit, but they don't know how the sausage gets made. Can you can you talk a little bit about what that writing process looks like, what that kind of progression to get there becomes? Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's sort of two sides to it. Um, and, you know, fair warning, like <laughs> the creative process is never as, I think, you know, sexy or magical as um, people sort of hope it is. Uh, it, it is just a lot of uh, a lot of taking shots in the dark and, and throwing darts and seeing sort of what sparks. 
And we actually, you know, Cuma, we're, we're a pretty small agency in, in the world of agencies, um, you know, around like 30 people. And we don't have the traditional copywriter art director teams. Uh, we're much more uh, structured, a little bit more like a production company. And we actually have writer's rooms instead of sort of, you know, these little individual siloed um, teams that are basically the way that agencies are structured. You basically have all these little agencies of teams inside a big agency and they make the presentations and fight their way to the top to see whose ideas can emerge. We are much more um, truly collaborative and um, really using everyone in the office to uh, help build an idea, push it, take it to the next place, putting all of our work up for everyone to see. Um, and so it, it, it's, I'd say it's, it's two things. One is, is coming up with a genuine idea, coming, coming up with a true innovation or a truly new way of, of talking to people or doing something. The other is tone. Um, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, talk about yourself or talk about your competition and not sound like a jerk or not sound like you're on a high horse or, um, so we, we really think about both of those and you can have a great idea, but that's totally wrong and it's going to bomb. And you can, you can also, you know, you, you can sometimes have a pretty simple idea, but, but really nail your tone and your voice. Um, and it, and suddenly people listen to you. Uh, I think there's a Suja campaign that we have is, is really good example of that. All we're telling people is, is that, you know, organic juice in a bottle is, is drinking plants, you know, and you can drink plants, take their power. But the tone of that campaign uh, really, really unlocks uh, everything. So anyway, to, to back up, I mean, we basically, um, you know, we're human audit, we're human out. We, we call what we ask our creative team uh, to come up with, we call them human nuggets. They're really simple. They're basically a, um, a, 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 a statement about how something is sort of weird or interesting and then a surprising thing that the brand could do. And then we give that, that idea a name. And so what we're looking to do is basically go, hey, if a brand stands for this, then what would they go out and do next? And we, we don't allow like advertising ideas. We really just force people to come up with things that a brand is going to do. Now, of course, that'll turn into advertising eventually, but we just start with like, and if, if what a brand could do is interesting, then we, we realize we're on the right track to, to sort of like what that brand is about. And so we start to kind of reverse engineer, you know, how a brand can activate its own authenticity or its own mission. And then we start to look for like, once there starts to be more ideas that are sort of falling in a similar place, we realize we're really onto something. But to be honest, we also are looking for many possibilities. So we'll end up with as many as five different, totally different directions that a campaign could go. So, you know, once we've agreed on like, okay, it's really, it gets really interesting when a brand does this out in the, in the culture, um, then we, we then go into actually writing the scripts actually, and we write a bunch of them. And usually we write really long scripts, like two minute scripts to make sure that this concept has a ton of interest and weight behind it, right? Like it's, it's really hard to convey a big idea in six seconds. Um, and so we need this to be interesting in a long form. And then we also need it to cut down to six seconds. It's, it's much easier to go from big idea to, to smaller breakthrough moment than tiny breakthrough moment up to big idea. So we write really long form scripts and then we start thinking about how do we bring that idea to life? 
A good example would be um, we just took a, what's kind of a really unsexy, boring category, the toothpaste category, and realized that it was really cool when a toothpaste company, Hello in this case, uh, that makes all these awesome naturally friendly products um, with really natural ingredients, like um, when they act like a really cool startup like Lyft or like, you know, uh, Elon Musk, or it gets really interesting. And so we actually created this whole service called Spit, where uh, a guy on an electric scooter pulls up with a sink on the back and lets people brush their teeth like all over the streets, anywhere. And just that sort of tension of, of innovating dramatically in a boring category, it showed us where this brand can go. And now we're just looking for even more crazy, interesting innovations you know, that are over the top and sometimes ridiculous for that brand to go into. So that's something worth watching as well. That's awesome. Um, as, uh, and just a last question for this first part of the, the interview, um, if someone's at home and they have their own startup and they're just kind of getting started, they're not to that point, uh, where they're ready to hire an agency. What do you wish people who came and talked to you had done before coming to you? What are some of those things you're like, man, if I were a founder and I was starting out, here's some of the things I would do to really build a great foundation, uh, so that when I'm ready to then go hire an agency like Humanot and do a really great campaign, um, what do you wish they'd kind of prepped with and gotten done beforehand? Hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. There's there's kind of two sides to what I wish people would do. Um, I mean, the first thing that I t tell people is, you know, these – and I've been in this position. I mean, Humanot and myself as a startup founder in other companies uh, can really relate to this and have made this mistake. Uh, but I think what happens is you, you're trying to, you, you have a great product, you have a great idea, you're, and you're really passionate about it, but you are so kind of focused on your, your biggest competition and what they're doing. And, and you're also sort of a little intimidated by the, the advertising world or, or marketing and what I find is that even the most sort of, um, you know, passionate, aggressive, fearless founders, when they go to start marketing, get super conservative and safe. And they're basically kind of trying to make what looks like traditional advertising for their brand. They're really trying to legitimize their startup, which is this little thing, and trying to make it seem bigger, more polished, more put together. And they've basically just sort of like stripped away everything that's cool and interesting about them, which is that they have a unique founder. They are scrappy. They are like, you know, hustling to fix things. And, you know, I just think, again, like no one knows about you. You are, you are invisible. You know, and so the best thing you could do is, you know, be willing to just try things and be bold and realize that, like, the worst thing that's going to happen is that someone's going to notice you and, like, go to your website, you know, and, 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 or that, like, you piss some people off and they start talking about you. Like, it, you know, there's this really great, um, uh, you know, a, a former humanot and buddy of mine just launched uh, a drinking, a, a water company. Um, and of course, there's a million water companies, and but he called his his water company Liquid Death, and the whole branding around it is it's in a can, it's it look and it looks like a beer, and it's basically marketed to this sort of hardcore straight edge like you know heavy metal audience, 
And man, they just are getting so much attention and people are, um, you know, they're posting their, their worst reviews on social media. I, I just think it's a great reminder that like all, all you need to do is stand out, you know, and, and that's, and tell your story because you actually have an authentic story. And yet so many times they're just spending all their time trying to pretend like they're a legit, boring, like cookie cutter brand. Um, and so I just first say like, that's the time to be experimental, to be honest, to, to put it all out there and be human, uh, and make mistakes. Because if you brought that to us, you know, we, a, we'd have a lot more learning as to what works and what doesn't. We'd have a lot more sense of your, your tolerance to fear. Um, you know, usually startups come to us and they haven't, they haven't done anything, um, that quote unquote, like risky or breakthrough yet. And so we kind of have to like, walk hold their hand as we walk through this sort of like all right yeah we're actually going to say something now that people are going to hear because it's different um and it'd be great if if they had already started exercising that um and then yeah the only other piece would just i i just wish um i just wish that startup brands would they're just so worried about the competition and I get it, but it's like, you really need to focus on why you exist and what you're here to do. And, and just, we need to hammer that. And the more we, we look at the competition, the more it's going to compromise that unique perspective. Um, and you know, the more, the more you're just responding to, to the, to the category. And I think the truly inspiring startups and brands have come out out of left field, done something so different and if we're, you're not trying to do that, I think you, you just, again, you risk being invisible, which I think is the biggest fear and danger um, that, start, that any startup brand or emerging brand should really be worried about. I love it. Jane, I just went to the Liquid Death website while <laughs> we've been listening to you. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think this is totally what part two of the interview should be about. So everybody, uh, please tune back in. We're going to keep asking David about uh, what people can do to actually stand out and make some money. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody.